0: Hey, Bible y'all. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Thursday, February 22nd. Happy World Thinking Day. And I think we've identified a problem. The world has restricted thinking to a single day in February. Call me crazy, but I believe people ought to think every day, several times even, if you can manage it. Maybe people would stop doing thoughtless things, like making them MCU movies. I bet our commutes would go a lot smoother too. The inventors of World Thinking Day recommends you celebrate by donating to the World Thinking Day Fund, which I'll bet. Seems kind of tautological to me though, like they invented World Thinking Day just to have something to donate to. And what do they need money for anyway? Besides going around telling people to think, what else is there to do? Maybe play that Aretha Franklin scene from the Blues Brothers, that'd be cool. But I have a question, what am I supposed to think about? Is there a list of approved topics? And what's the penalty for straying off of it? For example, what if I decide to think about, oh, let's say that airplane company dude who went on TV and promised he was gonna fill all the cockpits with diversity hires, while in the meantime, there's a whole string of news articles about planes catching fire and doors and wheels falling off and such or here's something to think about did you ever notice how a lot of them beast system types will cry crocodile tears watching schindler's list and then go to a hamas rally the next day because they mad about how israeli muslims get treated but then they got nary a peep to say about the downright horrifying stuff china's doing to the Uyghur muslims they got enslaved over there or how about this what if i thought about spreading the word that no as a matter of fact Ye can't be as gods, not even a little bit. There's only one God, and you ain't him, contrary to popular belief. Y'all think any of that would get me in trouble? Our reading for today is Leviticus 13:1 1-59, Mark 6, 1-29, Psalm 39, 1-13, and Proverbs 10, 10 So if y'all are ready, if it's a penny for your thoughts, how come I gotta put my two cents in? Somebody's getting rich somewhere. Darn Federal Reserve. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 21st, in the Old Testament, we read Leviticus 11.1-12.8. And now that we got the temple sanctified, such as it was, with the ceremony going all sideways because of Nadab and Abihu, now God gives some rules about what animals they can and can't eat. And remember, some of the names of these animals are just lost, and we don't know for sure what they are. Plus, this has been translated from Hebrew to Greek to ye olde King James formal English, so everything may not actually be what we're talking about. But the basic parameters of what they can eat is, Whatsoever parteth the hoof, and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud, among the beasts, that ye shall eat. But, right off the bat, in verses 5 and 6, we have our first really disgusting controversy. It says, and the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. And first of all, conies and hares are the same thing. They're rabbits. And when he says coney, he probably means this guinea pig looking thing called a hyrax, which is also called a rock rabbit, which looks like some kind of half rat, half possum, half guinea pig thing. But it ain't even a rodent. It's actually a pachyderm. It's the same family as elephants and rhinos, of all things. (laughs) So, again, translated animal names are sketchy. And, problem number two, rabbits don't chew cud. At least not the way we define it. Basically, certain animals called ruminants, like cows and goats and sheep and giraffes and yaks and alpacas, they have these special stomachs called rumen. The first of four stomachs, actually. Where they partially digest their food then vomit it back up and chew it like bubblegum to break it down some more. It's what they call foregut fermentation. And if you think that sounds nasty, buckle up. Because rabbits don't do that. They aren't ruminants. They're legomorphs, or hindgut fermenters. (laughs) Their fermentation occurs in the cecum, which is a pouch at the beginning of the large intestine. They ain't even capable of regurgitating or vomiting. What they do do is chew their (laughs) doo-doo. Rabbits produce two kinds of feces, the more common hard feces, as well as softer pellets called cecotropes. And cecotropes are small pellets of partially digested food that are passed through the animal, but are then re-ingested. <laughs> and rabbits don't actually chew these pellets, but they do soak them in their mouths for a long time before swallowing them. Whoa. Sort of like the ruminants do. So, scoffers like to point to this verse as an error in the Bible. Because rabbits don't actually chew cud the way the scoffers like to define chew cud. But how the scoffers define it is irrelevant. How Moses and the Hebrews defined it is what counts. Redefining words is an old trick the beast system uses to get over on us. Like, for example, right now it's legal for a grown man to pretend he's a girl and get access to ladies' restrooms and locker rooms and athletic scholarships. So don't fall for it. In this particular case, the Hebrew phrase translated to English as chew the cud literally means something on the order of eats that which is brought forth again, which is exactly what ruminants and legomorphs both do. So again, don't fall for it. There are no errors or contradictions in the Bible, just stuff we don't understand. And X's that mark spots where there's buried treasure. I didn't understand that cud thing until I learned it. And whatever questions you have right now were probably answered a thousand years ago. So don't get discouraged when some scoffer tries to make you look stupid with something you never heard before. Just look it up. Or, better yet, say, huh, that's very interesting. What was the counter-argument when you looked that up? Because guaranteed he never did. The scoffer's goal is not to have a conversation or exchange ideas or understand each other. It's to make you look stupid. They're not asking you questions because they care what you think. Remember that when your Christian school makes you go out and do street ministry. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Verse 12, Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales, they shall be an abomination unto you. So catfish are out, bummer, Mm -hmm. and eels and sea snakes, shrimp and oysters and crawdads, and pretty much everything we down here in Florida like to eat. (laughs) And then he lists several birds, which probably aren't the birds that were meant by the original. The eagle is probably the great vulture, but the vulture is probably a kite. And the swan is probably the ibis. And the gyre eagle is probably the Egyptian vulture. And I think the idea here is that all these are carrion eaters or live animal eaters. Birds that eat bugs and berries are okay, is my understanding. But I could be wrong. They could, however, eat insects. At least four types of crickets and locusts. The rest of the insects are unclean. The Jews weren't allowed to eat anything with paws, like dogs and cats. Or vermin, like rats and mice. And Barnes says, for the tortoise, read great lizard. And for the ferret, it's really talking about a gecko or a chameleon. And the word rendered snail is probably another kind of lizard. But whatever, there's nothing in that list that you really got to encourage me not to eat. (laughs) And then he gives instruction on handling carcasses. And lots of people will try to say that the prohibited animals are unhealthy compared to the kosher animals. Like, for example, pigs don't sweat and they cause a buildup of uric acid or some such. And maybe that's true, but that's not really the purpose, I don't think. Verse 45 spells it out. He says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. All these rules for the Jews are so they'll be God's holy people. And holy just means different, not like the rest. Set apart, usually for a purpose. And he gives them all these dietary restrictions so they'll be different from all other people's. Because Jehovah is different from all other God's. Are all that's called God. And in chapter 12, that's all about childbirth purifications. And if a woman has a boy baby, she'll be unclean seven days and follow the rules for separation for sickness. And on the eighth day, they circumcise the boy. And eight is the number of new beginnings, so that's interesting. He's a Jew now. And the eighth day is the optimum day for circumcision because it's the highest presence of the clotting factor, vitamin K. Today, when baby boys are circumcised within like a couple days of birth, they give them vitamin K to help with blood clotting. So, what a coincidence. Then the woman is to continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. They're waiting for any leftover pregnancy discharge to be fully out of her system, is the idea. But if she bear a maid child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her separation, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifying three score in six days. So why twice as long? I don't know. Lots of speculation. Some folks default setting is because men hate women. But I reject that premise. Somebody else said because they had the idea back then that girl babies were more dangerous to deliver than boys. They're not. And that implies God's an idiot, which he's not. (laughs) But I think maybe it's because girl babies aren't circumcised. So they do a double ritual to make up for not doing the second ritual for the boys. And also, for a woman to remain separated with her girl baby that long would require the men to take care of them both. So maybe the point is to cement that idea in the men's minds early on that women and girls are to be cherished and cared for. Excellent insight. Anyway, when that's all done, she makes a sin offering for them both, and then it's back to work.
1: Yes, all of this is to teach first the Jew and then the Christian that we are set apart for God. If we are devoted to the Lord, we will think differently. We will talk differently. We will be devoted to him in all aspects of life.
0: And then in the New Testament, we read Mark five twenty-one through 43. So the Gadarenes had just run Jesus off and he heads back across the lake where that crowd is still waiting for him. And out of that crowd comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he's like, my 12-year-old daughter is dying. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus don't even think twice. He just gets up and goes. But while they're on their way, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and the doctors couldn't help her, she saw Jesus coming and said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And elsewhere, it says she touched the hem of his garment, which implies recognition of his authority. But Mark didn't feel the need to include that, so we'll skip it. And she does and gets healed. And Jesus felt it when it happened. And he's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, dude, we're getting slammed around by this crowd of worshipers like we're in a mosh pit. And you're asking who touched me? But he spots her. And she's scared she's in some kind of trouble. So she tells him the whole story. And he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Trouble was, while they were standing there talking, somebody came from Jairus' house and is like, hey, she's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But as soon as Jesus heard that, he said, be not afraid, only believe, which needs to be all our motto for the next several years. Be not afraid, only believe. And he wouldn't let anybody go with him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Why them? Don't know. But they got in the house and everybody's upset and crying. And he's like, it's cool. She's only sleeping. And they scorned him for saying that. So he put them all out and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And Talitha Kumi, that's a mixture of Syriac and Chaldee. It's called syro chaldaic It's the language that he commonly spoke back then. And the proper translation would be damsel, arise. And she did. She jumped up out of bed. And Jesus is like, somebody get her something to eat. Yep. And that's where we stopped.
1: Yep. Now, as we were reading earlier, this woman with the issue of blood, she could have been stoned for being in public. Her plan was not to draw attention to herself, but slip into the crowd and touch that hem and get healed. But no, she had to testify and Jesus solidified her wholeness. And then without even missing a step, Jesus stopped Jairus from speaking out of grief. Jesus says immediately to him, fear not or stop the fear. Looks like we can stop the fear. Maybe if the disciples had stopped the fear in the storm, Jesus could have gotten some rest while they had an encounter with God.
0: Jesus can't get a moment's peace. (laughs) And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 38, 1 through 22. And that's a Psalm of David to bring to remembrance. To bring what to remembrance? Probably David's sin, according to Barnes, because that's mostly what he talks about here. And he compares it to sickness. Says, there's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. And that's interesting how he equates his sin with God's anger. Like they're the same thing. He says, my wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. And if you have a wound that starts to stink, you're in serious trouble. You're dying. So he's equating foolishness with death. Not just death, but a really gross and painful death. And that just says to me that the consequences of what we do run a lot deeper than we ever know. And he says, For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. Okay, so we're going to bring V.D. into it now. David is really trying to make a point about the nature of sin. He says, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it is also gone from me. And that's a profound description of being separated from God. And the next part is prophetic of Christ being abandoned by his friends and his enemies set in traps for him, but in spite of it all, he remains silent and offered no defense, because his hope is in the Lord, not the people, and he closes by begging for deliverance from his enemies.
1: Sin makes the whole body sick, and we still have enemies to contend with from
0: without. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs ten, eight, and 9, says, The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a pratting fool shall fall. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. And both of these verses are saying something similar, but it's not obvious because of the translation. The idea is, the foolishness of the fool will be exposed eventually, but you can count on the upright guy every time.
1: Yeah, walk upright, walk with integrity, and we will receive God's spoken word in matters concerning our life. We can walk securely in his commandments.
0: But that's the end of our review, A Yesterday's Study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 22nd is Leviticus 13, through 59 And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and in sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut up him that hath the plague seven days. And the priest shall look on him the seventh day. And behold, if the plague in his sight be at a stay, and the plague spread not in the skin then the priest shall shut him up seven days more. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day. And behold, if the plague be somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is but a scab. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And if the priest see that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy. When the plague of leprosy is in a man, then he shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall see him, and behold, if the rising be white in the skin, and it hath turned the hair white, and there be quick raw flesh in the rising, it is an old leprosy in the skin of his flesh. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if a leprosy break out abroad in the skin, and the leprosy cover all the skin of him that hath the plague from his head even to his foot, Wheresoever the priest looketh, the priest shall consider, and behold, if the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. It is all turned white, he is clean. But when raw flesh appeareth in him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall see the raw flesh, and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean, it is a leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turn again, and be changed unto white, he shall come unto the priest. And the priest shall see him, and behold, if the plague be turned into white, Then the priest shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. He is clean. The flesh also, in which even in the skin thereof was a boil, and is healed. And in the place of the boil there be a white rising, or a bright spot, white and somewhat reddish, and it be shewed to the priest. And if, when the priest seeth it, behold, it be in sight lower than the skin, and the hair thereof be turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a plague of leprosy broken out of the boil. But if the priest look on it, and behold, there be no white hairs therein, and if it be not lower than the skin, but be somewhat dark, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And if it spread much abroad in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a plague. But if the bright spot stay in his place, and spread not, it is a burning boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or if there be any flesh in the skin whereof there is a hot burning, and the quick flesh that burneth have a white bright spot, Somewhat reddish or white, then the priest shall look upon it, and behold, if the hair in the bright spot be turned white, and it be in sight deeper than the skin, it is a leprosy broken out of the burning. Wherefore the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the plague of leprosy. But if the priest look on it, and behold, there be no white hair in the bright spot, and it be no lower than the other skin, but be somewhat dark, then the priest shall shut him up seven days, and the priest shall look upon him the seventh day, And if it be spread much abroad in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the plague of leprosy. And if the bright spot stay in his place, and spread not in the skin, but it be somewhat dark, it is a rising of the burning, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is an inflammation of the burning. If a man or woman have a plague upon the head or the beard, then the priest shall see the plague, and behold, if it be in sight deeper than the skin, and there be in it a yellow thin hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a dry skull, even a leprosy upon the head or beard. And if the priest look on the plague of the skull, and behold, it be not in sight deeper than the skin, and that there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall shut up him that hath the plague of the skull seven days. And in the seventh day the priest shall look on the plague, and behold, if the skull spread not, and there be in it no yellow hair, and the skull be not in sight deeper than the skin, he shall be shaven, but the skull shall he not shave and the priest shall shut up him that hath the skull seven days more. And in the seventh day the priest shall look on the skull, and behold, if the skull be not spread of the skin, nor be in sight deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the skull spread much in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look on him, and behold, if the skull be spread in the skin, the priest shall not seek for yellow hair, he is unclean. But if the skull be in his sight at a stay, and that there is black hair grown up therein, the skull is healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. If a man also, or a woman, have in the skin of their flesh bright spots, even white bright spots, then the priest shall look, and behold, if the bright spots in the skin of their flesh be darkish white, it is a freckled spot that groweth in the skin, he is clean. And the man whose hair is fallen off his head, he is bald, yet is he clean. And he that hath his hair fallen off from the part of his head toward his face, He is forehead bald, yet is he clean. And if there be in the bald head, or bald forehead, a white-reddish sore, it is a leprosy sprung up in his bald head, or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall look upon it, and behold, if the rising of the sore be white-reddish in his bald head, or in his bald forehead, as the leprosy appeareth in the skin of the flesh, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean, his plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean. He shall dwell alone, without the camp shall his habitation be. The garment also that the plague of leprosy is in, whether it be a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it be in the warp or woof of linen or of woolen, whether in skin or in anything made of skin, And if the plague be greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin, either in the warp or in the woof, or in anything of skin, it is a plague of leprosy, and shall be shewed unto the priest. And the priest shall look upon the plague, and shut up it that hath the plague seven days. And he shall look on the plague on the seventh day. If the plague be spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in a skin, or in any work that is made of skin, the plague is a fretting leprosy, it is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment, whether warp or woof, in woolen or in linen, or anything of skin, wherein the plague is. For it is a fretting leprosy, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if the priest shall look, and behold, the plague be not spread in the garment, either in the warp, or in the woof, or in anything of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing wherein the plague is, and he shall shut it up seven days more. And the priest shall look on the plague, after that it is washed, and behold, if the plague have not changed his color, and the plague be not spread, it is unclean. Thou shalt burn it in the fire, it is fret inward, whether it be bare within or without. And if the priest look, and behold, the plague be somewhat dark after the washing of it, then he shall rend it out of the garment, or out of the skin, or out of the warp, or out of the woof. And if it appears still in the garment, either in the warp, or in the woof, or in anything of skin, it is a spreading plague. Thou shalt burn that wherein the plague is with fire." and the garment either warp or woof, or whatsoever thing of skin it be, which thou shalt wash, if the plague be departed from them, then it shall be washed the second time, and shall be clean. This is the law of the plague of leprosy in a garment of woolen or linen, either in the warp or woof, or anything of skins, to pronounce it clean, or to pronounce it unclean. Our reading in the New Testament, February 22nd, is Mark 6, 1-29. And he went out from thence, and came into his own country and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the village's teaching. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out, and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do shew forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him, and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things, and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee, and when the daughter of the said Herodias came in, And danced, and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him. The king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth, and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake, and for their sakes, which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner, and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison, and brought his head in a charger, and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse, and laid it in a tomb. And our reading in Psalms for February 22nd is Psalm 39, 1-13. To the chief musician, even to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence, I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me, while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity, Selah. Surely every man walketh in a vain shoe, surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb, I opened not my mouth, because thou didst it. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. For I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner as all my fathers were. O spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. And our reading in Proverbs for February 22nd is Proverbs 10.10. He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a prating fool shall fall. And that's the end of that for the 22nd. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on James 1, 2, and 3, which says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on how you build up your strength. Cause prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, the world would have us believe that life should be easy, that every inconvenience is an attack, every discomfort should be medicated, and every temptation should be indulged. But we know that just as no sword is made without the fire and hammer, nor is it sharpened without the stone, we are only made strong through difficulty. So even though life is difficult and often tragic, it is those trials that teach us the most valuable lessons. And we thank you for the strength and power you impart to us through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible y'all and I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing you can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you've got any prayer requests, email them to bibleyallpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just don't make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Bible, y'all. What they do do is chew their doo doo. Cannot believe you're not gonna laugh at that. <laughs> Your doo doo.
1: That's all that is so
0: I know.